Well, had a great conference. I'm glad we had the opportunity to get back and and to be able to enjoy the conference. Just a little update for some of you that are not quite aware of all that's transpired in our lives the last few months. Nancy and I went to Trinidad to spend most of the month of July, and uh, we were really looking forward to that. We enjoyed a family camp with the, the church that sponsored us before into the country, and so we got to, to have a nice time of fellowship and swallowship with uh, those there that that we're well familiar with. It's, it's good to, to be there. It felt like home. And uh, then after that, then we had a VBS and we had some other activities that went on. But then along the way, uh, a fellow missionary that we knew that is uh, now renting the house that we used to rent uh, for about 11 years, uh, he had a heart problem and it needed some attention, had two stents put in. And so he had to come to the States and when he when they had to do that, they asked us if you know, we could extend our time and carry on some of his ministries and then also uh, live in his house. It just so happened that the house had been uh, broken into at least twice right after we got there, and then two more attempts had been made. Uh, and so it didn't seem like too many Trinis wanted to venture and stay at that house. But uh, we moved in and we took... Uh, took over, and uh, the thought crossed my mind. You know, if if God can command His angels, and we know that His angels are are around to uh, watch over us and take care of us, those that are going to be heirs of an, uh, of salvation, that salvation that is yet to come, that uh, He could definitely take care of us. And so as we moved in, I was thinking, well, I need all these weapons and things, you know, just in case. And so I had a few things stored up. I had some spray that, that can shoot like 20 feet, you know, and it, you could spray somebody in the eyes. And I mean, you know, that'll stop them. It'll sting their face. And so they'll, they'll think twice before proceeding on. And, and so I had a can of that, that spray. And then also I had a had a broom handle that I thought, you know, I can uh, do my uh, fancy broom handle work with and uh, maybe, you know, fend off an, an, an attacker or a, a would-be attacker. And, and then, too, another good thing that I thought of was a, a bright, shining light because you got somebody coming into your house at night and, uh, and it's kind of dark inside. If you have a bright, a real super bright light, and you shine that in their eyes, I mean, that's going to slow them down because it'll kind of blind them. And so I had all these things, uh, you know, that, that I was going to uh, have on hand just in case. But then the thought crossed, uh, crossed my mind and occurred to me that what kind of faith is that? If you ask God to dispense some angels to protect you, then why do you need to protect yourself? Just let God do his work. Let the angels do their work. And uh, so I just put all those things away. Nancy and I 
went to bed, and we slept well all the way through the next two months that we were there. And, you know, it's the little things like that that cause you to think and to wonder, just how real is our faith? How much do we really trust God? And uh, I've come to, to believe that we need to learn to trust him a lot more than what we do. We need to take some additional steps. And so I, I've learned a few things. And it was a joyous time while there. We, we enjoyed the ministries that we were able to, uh, to do, the times, opportunities to preach. And uh, we also put in for, had to put in for a work permit. You can go to Trinidad and you can, you can minister there for up to 30 days. But then anything longer than that, you have to have a work permit for. So with the help of a friend across the street, uh, we submitted a paperwork in that for a work permit. We thought, well, we'll just be here two months, so we put it in for two months. When he went to pick it up, uh, the people at, uh, at National Security said, well, th- th- why just have two months, which are almost up now? Uh, they said, well, why pay the same money for that as you could for a longer stay? So they gave us a permit for uh, up until January. And uh, so we have the freedom to go back if the Lord directs that way, you know, to go back and, and we can uh, go back and minister again until the end of the year. But uh, that's not our plans. But uh, you never know what the Lord has on the, on the calendar and on the plate. So uh, we'll just wait and see what he does. But anyway, uh, then we also have heard from, uh, from St. Vincent in a roundabout way that uh, it looks like uh, St. Vincent will be on hold for a while, and uh, subsequently, uh, I think we're going to look to try and take and make a move back to Trinidad, maybe sometime early next year. And uh, we hate leaving here; we hate leaving there. Uh, you, you know, you're you're like a rubber band; you're pulled between two different places. But uh, the one thing that brings joy into our hearts and into our lives is when we know we're where God wants us, doing what God wants us to do. So we appreciate your prayers on our behalf, and uh, it's just a joy to be back, always a joy to be around God's people. And then, too, it's a special joy to be able to take the word that God has given to us and uh, to look into it and to share some thoughts, uh, if you want to call them some meditations, on, on what God has done for us. But then also today, I want you to, to think about uh, this thing. And, and this has been on my mind and my heart uh, over the last several months. When you look at your life, when you, you look at the way you are, how, how do we stack up? How, how, how do we find ourselves? How, how can we evaluate ourselves and know that we're doing right, that we're on the right path, that we are maturing as a Christian, that we're becoming what God wants us to be? How do you evaluate yourself? I don't know if you ever do evaluate yourself. Uh, I like to evaluate because it, 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 when, when I've done this, it, it's, 
helped me to see and understand that, that God is at work in my life. And I feel and, and, and I, look, I look for areas in which uh, I can identify as perhaps areas of improvement and progression, spiritual growth and development. But what do we look for? What is it that God is endeavoring to build us into, to look like? And then are we making progress? And so I'd like to share a few thoughts with you along the way, along this line. How do we evaluate ourselves? Well, three things have come to mind. I had two things on my mind, and, and Nancy gave me another additional thought to, to go along with this, and really it, it, it makes for a good sermon because now i got three points. And uh, didn't find any poems to go along with it, but at least I got three points. And, uh, but three areas in which, which we can look at and, and we can use to kind of evaluate ourselves in, in our life. What kind of advancement are we making? What are we to look like? We know we're to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. God is fashioning us into the image of Christ. Now, we'll never be Christ. We're not going to be a little God. But we're to be like God. And he created us in his image and in his likeness. And so we should be able to carry on, we should be able to, to see the image of God and the likeness of God in our own life. Obviously, that was hampered when sin entered into the picture back in the garden. But since then, God is, through the matter of redemption, he's, I guess you could say, he's restoring us, he's, he is putting us back together so that we can function I believe like he originally intended for us to function. When thinking on these topics and, and things, I, I, I try to look for an example within Scripture. And the example that has come across my pathway and is found in the book of Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul seemed to carry a burden on his heart. And, and we can see it in a number of his epistles. And in the church epistles in particular, he, he had an affinity for the people that he ministered to, for those that he, he introduced to the Lord and then those that he taught. And, and one area in which I think we need to get a hold of and study out perhaps a little bit more in our own personal lives is in the area of his prayers. And one thing that has caught my attention about the Apostle Paul is that he was definitely a prayer warrior. And that's one area of our own lives that we need to really avail ourselves to. Because God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can think or even ask. 
And, and if we meditate on that, that little phrase, that little portion of Scripture, that, that, that will help us develop, I believe, a, a, a courage and an understanding and a willingness to exercise our privilege of prayer more fervently than ever before. Prayer is a powerful weapon that we have, that that God has made available to us so that we can accomplish spiritual victories along the course of life. We can change the course of events in lives through prayer. And I honestly believe that. And I think perhaps why many things are not changed, perhaps in our own lives or in in other people's lives, is, is that we're weak in our prayer life. But in in Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 9, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight, I think, in in some areas that that, that will help us evaluate our own self personally in our present state, in, in our present development in our Christian life. And notice what he says, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it. Now, if you go back to the first part of chapter 1 there and you read about his, how he gives thanks in verse 3 uh, to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love, which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Wherever, uh, whereof you've heard before of the word, uh, of the truth of the gospel. It's because of these things that, that he is a fervent prayer warrior. And he says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. How persistent are we? In our prayer life. Now notice the direction of his prayer. His, the direction of his prayer was for those at Colossae. And of course this was, this was a cyclical letter. That it was to be spread out. Not just for the, the city of Colossae in itself. But, but for all the cities in Asia Minor. That would read this epistle. And, and what his heart's desire was for them. I think will be of great benefit and a help for us to understand where we need help and improvement in our life. Where, where we need to focus so that we can make sure that we're on the right track in spiritual growth in our own life, in your life. He did not cease to pray for them and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful 
in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Three things I see here in this little passage. These few verses that I believe can help us focus our attention on. And and we need to do some introspection and to look at our own lives to see, uh, are we making progress in our spiritual growth and development? Three things that appear in that. First thing is knowledge. To grow in knowledge. And then the second thing is to have the knowledge, well, the first thing, to have the knowledge that God desires that we have and possess. And then secondly is a matter of attitude. What is our attitude? What is our attitude toward the word of God? What is our attitude toward ourselves? in our own personal spiritual growth and development? And then what is our attitude towards others? But then after attitude, notice what he says in verse 10, that you might walk worthy. Action. Action. Knowledge, attitude, and action. I believe these are three key elements that we can look at in our own lives and we can evaluate based upon the Word of God to know where we stand. How are we standing and how are we progressing in the things of God? Notice first off the matter of knowledge. Knowledge. His desire was that they might know the will of God. Knowledge of the will of God. Knowledge of the work of God. What is God doing? Not just in my life, but what is it that God is doing in the world as a whole? We got to look beyond ourselves. Now, God, I like like the way God operates and works because he is interested in each one of us as an individual. And we must never lose sight of that. And, And so when you look at yourself, how do you evaluate yourself? You see, you need to evaluate yourself like I need to evaluate myself based upon what God says in his word. How does God see me? When I go back to Romans, in the book of Romans, you can, you can find out how God saw us. There's how God saw us before we were ever saved, before we put faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. How did he see us? Well, back in Romans chapter 6, We can see some evidence here that what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, God shed his grace towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see God's attitude 
towards us, the lost person, when we were lost and dead and dying in sin. And his attitude towards us. He knew that we were in sin. His attitude towards us was that in his abundant love and his grace and his mercy, he's going to change that. And Christ came and died for us. Should we remain in sin? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I think if you look in your own life and, and you recognize that to do, a, to do a sin inventory, what sin is, is going on perhaps in your life now that's going to hold you back from being all that God wants you to be? Years ago, when we were first learning about, about the matters of the kingdom, we were also learning about the matters of, of ourself and our heart. We did a conference with, with Pastor up in, up in Illinois, and, and, and they covered the matter of, uh, and made this statement, the matter of sin. What is it that you want so bad in your life that you're willing to sin to get it? What is it that, that I want so bad in my life that I'm willing to sin in order to enjoy it or possess it? And, and sin has a pleasure, but it's for a season. But sin is our problem. Sin was our problem before faith, and sin is our problem after faith. But as we walk with the Lord, if we're walking in the Spirit, there isn't sin in the picture. Because you can't walk in the Spirit of God and have sin in the picture. It doesn't exist there. And so the problem is we have to understand and know about sin, how damaging it is, and how it's going to cripple us, and how it's going to hold us back from being what God wants us to be. So we need to do a sin inventory. And I'm thankful, and I'm talking about sin, not only sins that we commit, but maybe sinful thought. Now, boy, I'll tell you, there all sorts of wickedness pops into the mind. And perhaps more so today because we're so bombarded with, with, with wicked stories that go on. When we look at the news and the way people do diabolical things to other people, But sin is a problem, and we need to deal with it. And praise the Lord for 1 John 1, 9, that, that when we do have a problem with sin, we can go to him, and we can confess it, and we can forsake it, and we can be delivered from it. There is no sin that exists that the power of Christ's blood cannot remove from each one of us. And we have to get to the point where we are knowledgeable of this truth and that we're living in it. That we avail ourselves to the forgiveness of God and we accept what he says at his word. That we can be delivered. But the knowledge, the knowledge of God, what do you know about God? Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? 
Do you have a, a plan, a program going on in your life where you're constantly trying to learn more about God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, if, if, and that's what Paul prayed here, that, that, that they would have a knowledge of his will. Where is it? It's just down here. Oh, in verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto, the, unto all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. One thing that will help you and help me in, in, in this course of life that I'm in and the course of life that you're in is an increase in the knowledge of God. Don't be satisfied with what you know Persist at learning more about God, and that will strengthen you spiritually. Knowledge. Knowledge. We're to be like Him. And if we're to be like Him, does it not make sense? We're to, we should be able to think like God thinks. We need to have God's perspective on sin in the world. We need to have God's perspective in the terms of, of our living in our life. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, and then we need to see others as God sees them. And how do you know how God sees another person until you get into the Word and you see what God says about that? But then the attitude of God. What is the attitude of God? Again, the attitude of God, I think, we can see back in the, in the book of Psalms. I'm trying to figure out which psalm I was looking at the other day. Psalms. And how God reveals to us in the psalms, just, 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 his attitude, what it's like. Turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, in, in the first verses, it says, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising and understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path in my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. The knowledge of God as it reflects upon us. But also Psalm 103 Go to Psalm 103. Starting with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. What are the benefits of God? The benefits of God come forth. As we go to verse 8, the Lord is merciful 
and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. His attitude towards us. We can see his attitude is an attitude of mercy. We can see his attitude carries with it grace. John 3.16, we can see his attitude is that of love. And now, what is our attitude? What is your attitude towards yourself? But what is your attitude towards others? How do you see others? And here is an area in which, which I've done some personal inventory to try to think. Am I seeing the character of God and those attributes that God possesses? Am I seeing some of those reflective in my life? Do I love others? Like God loves others. Do I have compassion? Like Christ had compassion when he walked here on earth. Do I walk with compassion towards others? God is the dispenser. He's the possessor, but also the dispenser of grace and mercy. Am I a dispenser of grace and mercy towards others? Yea, to to those that that, that don't even love me, to those that, that, that perhaps might be considered an enemy. And then as we read and as we search the scriptures, we see that that Christ loved those that were his enemies. And when he could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him from the cross, he did not. Because he knew that there was a greater stake at hand. There was something that he needed to do. And he went the extra mile to do it. Because of love, because of grace, because of mercy. And, you know, it's no wonder that we find those things listed, as was already read by Jerry, in the matter of Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is the character of God. And the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. Because God and Christ and the Spirit are one. And if he's within us, then, then our character should parallel his character. And I believe that that is one area in which we can evaluate ourselves to see if, if we are growing, if, if, if our love for the brethren is increasing.
if the love for our family, within our family, is increasing, and if our willingness to to, to extend grace and mercy as God fills our cup with his grace and his mercy, are we gracious and merciful to other people? Do they see that? But the matter of the attitude, his attitude, I like the way it's expressed in, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He hath quickened, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the way it used to be, but that's not the way it should be today. We should be changing from that. And so the matter of of our attitude, how we walk in the matter of our actions... You see, it's not only a matter of knowing. Knowing God and his character. But then the matter of, of having the right attitude, having the same attitude that God has, that will be reflected then in our actions. And if you have a problem with the actions, then you can work your way back up the scale. And you can say, well, if my actions are wrong, my attitude must be wrong. Because when the attitude is right, your actions should be a result of that, and it should be right as well. What is your walk? What is your actions towards others? He has quickened us. You see, when God loved us, he did something about that. That love was his channel to change us, to do something about it. When you love a person and you're led by the Spirit of God, he'll lead you into the way in which you can help others. And you can help others change. His action, because of his love, his attitude of love, He knew we were sinners, and his love, his attitude of love, caused him to act and to change, to provide something to change our lives when Christ came and died for us. He quickened us. Back to Psalm 103. Notice in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You see what he does? 
his actions. This is what God does. This is what God has done for you and for me. And, and as we have need of these things, as we have need of deliverance along the way, deliverance maybe from oppression, maybe deliverance from uh, ha- hatred, maybe deliverance from anxiety in life, he can deliver us. And he's there waiting if we'll but come and receive deliverance. And then maybe, maybe you, you can help somebody overcome these things in their lives. Because you've experienced God working in your life in these areas. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Notice again the matter of actions. Therefore, as by, in verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. How did that come? That came as God provided it for us, it was His action. That provided this for us. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The action of God. The action of God makes a difference in life. Your life and my life. And the actions of our lives should be parallel like God, and we should be people that can make a difference in the lives of others. Notice Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Knoweth this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Can a dead man sin? No. I've meditated on this for a while in past months. And I've seen it too in Trinidad as I've done funerals there and looked at a body that was in the box. They don't do caskets for the most part. Most people, most people are buried in the box or burned in a box, whichever route they're going to take. But that dead body cannot sin because it is dead. And God wants us to have the knowledge that, that when Christ died, we were in Christ and we should consider us. Notice what he says, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't have to. That that part of us we need to understand is dead. And we should not... Be a slave to it any longer. We don't have to be a slave to sinful thinking, to sinful actions. Now they'll come, but it's not to be our slave. 
We're to learn to live above that. And we can. Because he has given us the power to do so. The power that God possessed to resurrect Christ, to bring him back to life, is the same power that you and I possess. He has, he has invested that power in us. Now, we're not going to run around raising the dead. Some do, I guess. So they think they do. But, but the power of the resurrection, we have received the power of Christ in order to live like he wants us to live. Now the question is, as we look at our own lives and our own selves, are, do we see these character qualities of Christ being manifested in our lives? Back to Galatians chapter 5. 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, is joy, is peace, is long-suffering, is gentleness, is goodness, is faith, meekness, temperance. Do you see these qualities of fruit exhibited in your life? Do you see them? Does your mind think in these terms, in these ways? And when you look at other people, do you see people that, that, that are having a bad day? And, and as we say in Trinidad, you know, I was going down the road and they gave me a bad drive. They cut in front of you. They do something that irritates you. Can you be long-suffering with them? If they'd stop and cuss you out, would you be gentle with them? Or do you just rail back on them? Gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance. These, to me, are a good checklist to let me know if, if I am making improvement in my life, if, if the Holy Spirit is really working in me and really changing me, these things, these elements should be changing in my life too. I should see them active in my life. I have the knowledge of it. I have the knowledge, I know. But then not, not only the knowledge, but the, the attitude. Is that what I want? Is this what you really want in your life? When your attitude is right and you really want this in your life, then God through the Holy Spirit will really be able to begin to produce it. And it will result in action. Three things that we need. Knowledge. The right knowledge. Knowledge. The right attitude and right action. I believe these can help us to, to, to inspect our own lives to see, are we really making progress as a Christian? Am I really growing into the likeness of Christ? Do I think about things like Christ thinks about things? I don't know how to think about things. Get in the book and you'll find out.
Look at his life. And then what was his attitude? When he saw people in need, he saw people hunger. When he saw Lazarus, what was his attitude? He was heartbroken. He wept. And then he did something. (laughs) He raised him from the tomb. We need to know and understand what God has invested within us in terms of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we need to understand the attitude that we need to have. We need to have an attitude about the world, about people, about myself. That is the attitude of God and Christ about the world, about people, and about myself. And then what I do, the actions that I do, should be reflective of having the right attitude because I have the right knowledge. And then our actions, how we treat others, what we do, will then be reflective in our life. And I believe this is, this is where God wants us. I, we need to know. And we need to be willing to go after what God wants. To be conformed into his image. We have that to look forward to that one day. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And I hope the rest of the parts will be equally well developed and prepared for the new body that we're going to receive. How do you stack up on the things of God? How is your life? How is it growing? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. And if you're beyond milk, don't stop. Enjoy the meat. And if you're really moving on, go for the strong meat so that we can be conformed into his image in our thinking, in our attitude, and in our actions. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the time of meditation on your word to see that here is three areas that I believe that Paul was concerned about and he prayed about and that we need to be concerned about and that that we likewise need to pray about. Father, that you'll open our minds and our hearts to your word, that we might know you better, but also that we might know ourselves better and others better. And that we will have the same attitude that, that you have towards a lost and dying world, a world that needs to hear the truth that Jesus Christ came and provided redemption for them from their sins. And then, Father, that we will live like our Savior lived, with a concern for other people and a desire to see the Word of God permeate throughout the whole world, wherever we can have a little part in the influence of getting the word out. And for that which you accomplish in us and through us, we will lift our hearts as well as our voices in praise and thanks. 
For it's in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, that I pray. Amen.